Thank you for tuning in to Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey, everyone, it's Sean, and due to some unforeseen circumstances, I actually had to do this podcast solo today. Uh, Garrett had an obligation he had to go to last minute, but I uh, think the guest was good enough that you guys will listen to it anyways. Uh, John Sebastian Jaguer, NHL goaltender for 16 seasons, won the Stanley Cup, won the Conn Smythe for playoff MVP, and just a great guy. Had a, had a really good time talking with him and learning about his path. Uh, it was cool because as a Colorado Avalanche fan growing up, you know, he played there for a few years of my childhood and uh, really cool to meet someone that you look up to like that. And just so nice, so down to earth. Talked a lot about perspective and how during the hard times, he looks at things in the positive way. And I think that that helps so much because mindset's so important. I saw a, uh, a graphic that I really liked a few days ago. It was talking about how, you know, your brain is what you feed it. And, you know, if you have toxic thoughts and bad things like that always surrounding your mind, you know, your brain's not going to be in those spots to have a positive mindset. Whereas, you know, if you make an effort to look at things in the positive way and, you know, you know, talk yourself up and do things that are just going to help you grow. Um, that perspective is huge and it'll just be easier. It'll be natural to want to look at things in a good light rather than a bad light. So good advice there from uh, Jaguer and also some really fun stories about his career. He played with, you know, the greats, uh, <laughs> a lot of unbelievable players, Nehemiah, Pronger, Solani during his time in Anaheim and a couple other greats in his time in Toronto and Colorado. So hope you guys really enjoy this interview. Let's kick it on over to J.S. Chaguer. Today's guest was born in Montreal. He was drafted 13th overall in 1995 to the Hartford Whalers before playing in the National Hockey League for 16 years. He amassed over 16,000 saves in 597 games, during which he won the Stanley Cup, the Conn Smythe for playoff MVP, and was selected to the NHL All-Star Game. He also won a gold medal with Team Canada in the World Cup. Welcome to the podcast, J.S. Chaguer. Thank you. Thanks for having me. J.S., uh, where are you living now and how has retirement been treating you? <laughs> Retirement's been great. I've uh, been spending a lot of time with my kids, my, my family. And uh, we're, right now we're spending time uh, in Montreal or around Montreal. And uh, we have a cottage in uh, Nova Scotia, so we spend part of our summer there. Nice. Uh, what hobbies yeah. have you been able to pick up or spend more time on since retiring? Uh, well, you know, I've been coaching my kids uh, at every sports they try. So I've been uh, uh, doing a lot of that and I've been getting into boating. So I've, I've bought a few boats here since my retirement. And uh, that's been, uh, you know, what we've been doing in the summer, spending a lot of good quality time together. Yeah, that's awesome. I like to spend my time at the lake yeah. too. What kind of boat you have? Uh, we I, I started with a small like uh, you know twenty two uh, feet boat. You know, just to try to get my uh, not my feet wet because that's not what you <laughs> want to do. But just to try to get used to boating. And uh, we're right on the ocean there in Nova Scotia, so it's uh, nice to have a, a a smaller boat. And uh, I slowly upgraded to uh, now we got the, a cruiser boat that we get to spend the weekend on and sleep in there and stuff like that so it's a it's a lot of fun we uh, uh you know we do boating here in montreal and we bring the boat in nova scotia so i get a captain to bring him down and uh just uh we see a lot of amazing plates 
Yeah. You mentioned uh, coaching any sport they tried. Do they try anything besides hockey? And how's your knowledge on those other sports? <laughs> yeah. The, well, last year I coached my uh, middle guy uh, at basketball, and that, that, that was a uh, uh, that was hard. I, I I don't know much about the game. I uh, you know I just uh, their coach, their head coach was uh, a young guy who was 18 years old, and I felt he had a bit of hard time with the the discipline part of it. So uh, uh, you know I I was just there you know watching their practice all the time, and I figure you know what I can go and help him. And and uh, being a dad, you know you're used to uh, dealing with those young kids, and and uh, so it was a lot of a lot of fun until we got to a tournament. And uh, he wasn't able to coach, and I had to coach the team, and I had no idea. I don't even know the rules of basketball. <laughs> I, I, I know the main rules, but like the, the you know, the, all the nuances and stuff like that, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Yeah. That was a little freaky, but, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun to, to be able to coach him because he's not into hockey. So uh, at least I was able to participate in what he's doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, really common themes, you know, X's and O's only get you so far especially when you're coaching. Yeah, no, no, I mean, you know, it's uh, being athletic, you know, uh, athletic stands are young kids. So uh, it's really the basic, uh, you know, I can get them to run the lines. That's easy. And, and uh, you know, shoot the basket. That's easy too. So uh, I, I, I kept it very simple uh, and I can yell. I can tell you that in the gym, it goes far. <laughs> yeah. So growing up in Canada, hockey is part of the culture, but how did you first get involved in the sport and when did you become interested in goaltending? Uh, at a young age, uh, I, I started, I was the youngest kid of five and a and, uh, family of five kids and uh, they kind of stuck me in net, you know, from the get-go and uh, <laughs> for me that was very intriguing. You know, the equipment I loved, uh, you know, the Canadians, uh, they had some goalies, uh, Steve Penny at the time that was like... Uh, uh, an amazing goalie when I was a kid and, and uh, graduated to Pachikawa. So that really got me interested into, uh, into hockey. And, and uh, so at the age of five, I started in net, basically. Uh, you know, I, after I, I knew how to skate, my dad, uh, I asked my dad to go play net and he, he didn't hesitate. That's awesome. Uh, the co-host, Garrett, couldn't make it today. We talked about that, but he always says his older brother did the same thing to him. So he just stuck him in the net <laughs> with some... Well, that's when the, the youngest, there's not much you can do. <laughs> yeah. uh, lots of kids dream about playing in the NHL, but when did you realize you could actually make it? And what did you do to stand out in junior? Well, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, I, don't, I can't really pinpoint a time that I realized I could make it. I, I, you know, I was uh, fairly good growing up. always made, you know, the double-A team and, and the, the highest level of the team and um, midget triple A my first year ended up winning the play, the goalie of the year. So I knew I had a talent, you know, that, that could bring me somewhere. Uh, but it was not a talent that I could take it easy. You know, I had to work really hard at it. And, um, you know, I guess as you get drafted into, uh, you know, the, the whalers, like you said at the beginning, uh, 13 overall, this is kind of when you see, Wow, you know there is really a possibility here, and and uh, uh, you know this is I truthfully never thought of doing anything else than playing hockey, uh, but uh, I kind of get you know I I was lucky enough to have a talent, and I was able to uh, uh, do it fairly quickly into playing in NHL. So uh, and I never really crossed my mind what I would do with uh, you know if I wasn't playing hockey. 
Yeah. Uh, today it's super rare to see a goalie go that high. Was were you one of the only goalies in the first round, or was it more? You know, did it happen more often? What? Yeah. No. It was a. Uh, it was one of those years that uh, you know there was Mark Denis, there was Mar Marty B uh, Mar Mar Biron, whatever Marty Biron, and uh, there was a. Uh, I know there was another guy, uh, Dan Cloutier, I believe. That was that we all went first round, and uh, actually I I went first that year. And it was the first time that a goalie was drafted so early in the end for the first round. So that was, you know, kind of, I set the record that didn't last very long because I, I believe Roberto Luongo beat it the next year. So it, it's not something that's done for a long time, but anyway, there was a lot of good goalies that year. Uh, a lot of guys coming from Quebec and uh, you know, we all played against each other in the queue. We're all good friends today. So it, uh, it was fun to be able to, to kind of, you play your career against them. You follow what they're doing. They follow what you're doing and you compete against them very often. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you, you definitely took advantage of that. When you went to Hartford, you played eight NHL games. Uh, did you know that the plan was to send you back to junior or did that come as a bit of a surprise? Uh, no, that was, uh, you know, I knew that. I, uh, you know, it, it was funny how it happened. Uh, I was kind of waiting to uh, hopefully sign a deal with uh, the Whalers. And, uh, you know, uh, I think like today, you have you had two years to sign. And honestly, I was not from a, a very uh, well-to-do family. So I, I was, you know, living in Nova Scotia and Halifax playing junior, and I had no money. I all, the only money I had was like the little salary I made in junior, which was $50 a week at the time. Yeah. And uh, that's all I had for spending money on no car. And, you know, I was kind of sick of it. So I called my agent. And I'm like, you know, is there anything we can do? Like, can we try to figure out a deal right now? And he's like, yeah, we probably can do something. You'll probably lose a bit of money, you know, in your signing bonus. And I'm like, I don't care. I just want to have a deal. And yeah. uh, so uh, after a year of being drafted, we uh, ended up getting an agreement with the Whalers. And if, you know, I hadn't signed that deal, I don't think I would have been called up, uh, you know, when Sean Berg got hurt at around Christmas. And that was a blessing for me. You know, I, at 19 years old, then I, you get called up in the NHL and you get to li live your dream, play your first NHL game. And uh, uh, so that was, you know, I don't, uh, I, I'm glad that I, I asked for a contract, you know, and, and uh, uh, being able to play those first eight games was, was great. And uh, it was a good experience, but I knew as soon as Sean Berg would come back, uh, I, I wasn't ready uh, physically and mentally to play in the NHL at 19. So I knew that I would go back to junior, but it was a great experience. And I guess a similar question the next year after that you played in the American Hockey League. Was that frustrating that you had already been in the NHL or did you just, you know, have that positive mindset the whole way? Say this is just the next step. Uh, no, I knew. I knew that I, I would go in and play in the AHL. Uh, I kind of wanted that, truthfully. I think at the time, uh, rarely you would have seen a goalie at 19, 20 years old playing in the NHL. And the reason why the you know Carolina Hurricanes at the time, uh, the Whalers had just moved, uh, the reason why they traded me uh, was because they wanted somebody with a bit more experience in that. They wanted to make sure that they, they would be successful right away in a new city. So they uh, trained me to Calgary, and it was made clear pretty early that I would spend my first year in the AHL playing in St. John, uh, New Brunswick. So, you know, I, I took it well. You know, like I say, I didn't, you know, the, the first eight games taught me one thing is that I wasn't ready to play in the NHL. And 
uh, I needed more experience. I needed to grow into my body too. Like I was still uh, pr pretty, uh, pretty small at the time. And, uh, you know, I was, it lasted three years. I would have hoped that it would last long than that, but uh, yeah. that's what adversity is, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And you definitely stayed. 16-year uh, career, five different NHL teams. Who was your favorite team as far as, you know, the group of guys was concerned? And what was your favorite city to play in? Uh, you know, it's it's a great question. Uh, obviously, the Ducks uh, played 10 years in Anaheim. Uh, you know, both of my my two oldest kids are, are born in California. Uh, I've got, you know, whenever I go back there, I feel like it's home for me, like my second home in a way. It's, uh, we've, we've had so much good times there. Two finals, one, one Stanley Cup win. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of great memory with those, those two teams, you know, 2003 and 2007. Obviously, uh, in hockey, when you when you win, yeah, you bond together. It's part of the the what you need uh, to to be able to go all the ways to have a good chemistry within the team. And uh, so, I got a fond memory of those teams. Uh, I love playing in Toronto. Uh, you know, although that wasn't the best years of my life as far as goaltending was concerned, Toronto was a, an amazing organization, a great city to play in fun to to feel that energy every night that you played uh and you know colorado was great too uh where, you know it was a great way to finish my career in a, in a great city where the you know family is very prominent prominence there so uh you know they all offered something different uh i've got good memories in all of them but uh you know if i have to choose i'd go back to Anaheim, especially right now when it's a still minus 10 here in montreal yeah, that's what I was thinking. You had a, a really awesome, uh, you know, you got to experience everything. You played in a California market, an original six Canadian market, and then Colorado too, which is very unique. I'm from Colorado. I actually remember watching you play and um, that was always awesome. But uh, you mentioned the chemistry. Was there anything else that made that Stanley Cup championship team different? And is there anything that maybe you learned from that that you tried to bring into locker rooms after that? Uh, well, you know, we obviously you need talent. You know, we had uh, uh, lots of talent. We we had a you know with Chris Pronger and and Scott Mundermeyer on defense made my job much easier. That was great. <laughs> you know, you have those two guys playing in front of you for thirty minutes each. That was great. Uh, so uh, that's you know, and and Scott was a team captain. He, he's a leader. Uh, you know, it's a guy that's won everything that he's played in, which, you know, uh, Olympic gold medal, Stanley Cups, he's got three or four, I don't know, he's, got, he's won everything. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, you know, like to have a guy like that in, in your team, like it's, it's, it's hard to, to bring this to another team, you know, when you get traded, you, you, you want to try to be a leader just like he was, but you don't have him. So it's hard to you know to, to replace a guy like that. Um, otherwise, you know, our 2017, I think, what was very different from other teams that have won the cup uh, as of late is we were we could play any style of game. You wanted to play the fast game, we could play the fast game. You wanted to play the the uh, the you know chip and grind game where you, you put the puck below and you just hit, and uh, we could play that game any day, you know. And you wanted to fight, or we have guys that can insert of that too. So we had a very complete team. We were we were a team that nobody liked to play against because we every guy, even Timu Solani, would finish his hit every time he go on the ice. So it was really hard to play against uh, against us. And 
I think, you know, uh, we played against the Senators at, uh, in 2007. And I think that was a major factor in our win. You know, uh, they had lots of talent in Ottawa. They were a good team, but they were missing that physical aspect. And they, I think they were intimidated by us. Yeah, you, know, you see a guy like T. Mussolini, who's such a pure goal scorer, finishing checks, and it makes everyone, you know, want to work that much harder. And oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's annoying for the other team, too. You're like, you know, maybe I'll get a break when that line is on. And, and then they, they ended up finishing their check all the time. And it's just, you never have a break. And, uh, you know, that was their style of play. We had to finish our check. And that was something that was from the beginning of the year that we, we ended up doing and all the way to the end of the year. And it was a hard way to play because, you know, it's, it's not easy, I think, to, not that I ever done it, but I think it's not easy to play that way. I think it's, it demands a lot of energy out of, out of forwards. And, but, you know, to their credit, uh, we did it well. Yeah, especially in, you know, a long playoff run where you have to beat four teams, you know. It's, you know, two months where you're trying to play at your absolute peak. And I was going to ask, does the style of play affect how you play as a goaltender? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. I, I uh, you know, goaltending is very unique uh, in a sense that, uh, you know, we had our little group of goaltenders. It was, uh, you know, Brisgalov and I and, and Francois there, the goalie coach. And we were the team within the team. You know, we're part of the team, obviously the main team, but we do our own thing. We work together. We try to be as as uh, sync, in sync as we can one another. So if he plays or I play, we're, we're somewhat similar in our approach when we play the puck and oh, the way we talk to our defensemen and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, a goalie, you just got to stop the puck at the end of the day. So you got to, you know, uh, you got to be ready for the, the other team. Obviously, you got to know, I think we were putting a lot of emphasis on, on what the other team would do what kind of setup they would do on the power play, what, what's their tendency on the rush and, and stuff like that. But not so much what my team would do. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, you got to be ready for anything. You have to be ready to get you know, 15 shots in a game or you got to be ready to get 50 shots. So whatever happens from my, my side, you know, there's not much I can control that. You mentioned your goalie partner, Ilya Brizgalov, and he's, kind of come out as one of the most character like guys <laughs> in NHL said some crazy things on that that show with the Flyers how is he in the locker room and was he the most unique goalie partner you had uh yeah I'd say probably the most unique and and you know we're goaltending so we're a goaltender <laughs> they're, they're they're very unique all of them you know we're yeah. all a little different in our approach but uh no Briz you know it's all, all Briz wants to do is have fun you know and he, he was that type of guy that uh, wanted to just uh, keep it uh, easy, you know, tr try to keep the stress down as much as we could, uh, as much as he could. And, and, and just, uh, you know, he was a happy-go-lucky type of guy, like always a uh, smile on his face. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he had so much talent. <laughs> that was like, that was driving me crazy because he had so much talent. So it was, you know, I was always fortunate because in my career, I always had a very good backup. And they were always really well coached by Francois Allaire. So it was fortunate in a way because if thing, things didn't go well on my end, there was always somebody, uh, you know, be ready to take my spot and, and, and take over for a while while I figure out my game. But it made my, it made my life so much harder, you know, because I had to work so much harder to keep my job, to keep my, my, my number one spot every time. And uh, at the end of the day, now that I look back, you know, that I'm more mature and stuff, I think that was a blessing. 
yeah, you definitely need people to push you, have that, that competitive spirit and practice. Yeah. Did you ever have a relationship with a, a goaltending partner that, you know, wasn't good? You know, it sounds like obviously, you know, Briz very supportive and always happy. Did you ever have a time where, you know, it was a negative kind of competition for that starting job? Never. No, no, I never, uh, you know, I'm always made it a point to have a good relationship with the other goalie. It's very natural that we both wanted to play. You know, I think at the end of the day, uh, that's the, the nature, of, you know, human nature is you want to be competitive, especially when you make it to the NHL. You know, there's only one goalie that can play. So, but it, it never served me uh, good to to uh, compete against. I was never competing against the other goalie. To be honest, like, you know, I always approach it as I'm competing against the puck. This is my job and trying to focus on myself and to have a good relationship, uh, you know, to have a bad relationship, I mean, with the other goalie would just be a waste of energy for me. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, the 0405 season, the NHL went through a lockout, which forced you guys to, you know, look for places that you've never played before. You ultimately went to play in Germany. Can you take us through this process, you know, finding out that the NHL wouldn't be playing to trying to find a job halfway around the world? Uh, yeah, it was a really tough year for a lot of the players. No, none of us really thought that they would actually shut down the, the season. And that's probably where we were miss, uh, you know, we, we made some mistakes, right? But uh, you know, looking back, you know, I was the team rep for, for the, the docs and, and uh, uh, you know, there was a lot of things that needed to be settled. There was a lot of um, infighting that needed to be calmed down. So I think missing a year probably helped, uh, you know, overall for the game. Uh, for myself, you know, I, after a while, I decided, you know, there was some opportunity to play in the East Coast League in, in Long Beach. And, and I was like, ah, that, that could be easy, like close to home. Uh, you know, and I, uh, some people were suggesting me, if you want to play, just go in Europe. Probably better to stay away from uh, all the media in North America. You, you, you'll have fun. You'll be able to travel and stuff like that. So I ended up going in, in Germany and like, what a great experience. I, I uh, you know, love, uh, living there, it was, you know, pre-kids for me. So that was a, a, a good time. My wife was able to come and uh, we, we had a good time. Uh, you know, looking back now, I kind of regret going because at the end of the day, I kind of stole somebody's job and, and you know, for six games. And I, I kind of feel shitty. I'm oh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. But I, 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 I feel like you know, probably not the right thing to do, you know, at the end of the day for, you know, I played, I played, I ended up playing six or seven games and, uh, but on the human side of it, it was a great, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. Got to see a lot of Europe and, and, uh, that part I really enjoyed. Yeah. I don't think you should feel bad about it. It's just, the, <laughs> it's like, it, it, you got, well, you, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those, you know, you, you just, I, I, I got offered a job and you're like, you know, you, you got to say yes or no. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, you know, you feel a little sorry. These guys worked hard and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it, it's one of those that maybe after when you remove yourself from the situation after so many years, you're like, oh, maybe I should have stayed home and just call it a day for the year. But anyway, I wanted to play. So it, it was hard to say no to. Yeah, I absolutely can't blame that at all. It's something I'm looking to do is play in Europe in the upcoming year. So I've heard nothing but good things. And uh, oh, so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. You got to keep an open mind. You know, there's going to be 
you know, you're often out of your comfort zone. There's things, they're, they're, their leagues are run differently. The food is a little different for pre-game meals and stuff like that. So all of it, you know, is a little different. But if you're, you know, you keep it an open mind, you take advantage of your days off and you go see places and, uh, you know, it can be so much fun. It's, it's uh, uh, obviously, it's a great continent. There's great, great places, a lot of fun that can be uh, having there. Absolutely. Shifting tones a little bit, uh, read an article that you had hydration issues in your career and that led yeah. to injuries. How did that affect your preparation and how did you even learn that you had these issues? Uh, I always was a very heavy sweater and, and uh, just uh, it, I always look good. You know, whenever we work out in the gym, I always was <laughs> a guy that was sweating the most and the coach was like, oh, this guy's working hard. That wasn't always the case. <laughs> it's just that I look good doing it. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it, you know, I uh, I was having a lot of issues. I was I would lose between eight and twelve pounds a game, and um, the the most I've ever lost. And believe it or not, it was I, I was coming back from a, an injury in the AHL, and probably you know not at the best of my shape. And we played a game where we uh, uh, it was my first game back. We didn't play uh, that well. I got a lot of shots against, and it was really hot in the building. Ended up losing nineteen pounds. Wow. Uh, you know, going to uh, the hospital, like emergency, my whole body was cramped up. I couldn't talk. I couldn't, I couldn't move my fingers, my arms. The, everything was cramped up. So pretty scary. Uh, this is when I started doing testing, you know, for, for dehydration. So I was part of the uh, Calgary Flames organization at the time. And we came up with a, a bit of an hydration system uh, where, where I, I would drink two a straw. Uh, uh, you know, my, my, so I could take in more water uh, without taking any uh, oxygen in, so I could, you know, really uh, try to replenish what I was losing, but that wasn't enough, you know, and I, uh, I, I kept having a hard time. And, you know, when you lose eight, 12 pounds, the problem is that the next day, you can't, it's hard for you to practice. It's hard for you to keep up the season because you're always behind on your dehydration, on your hydration. So, uh, after the 05 or 06 season, uh, Randy Carlisle, the, our coach in Anaheim, told me in some words that, uh, very chosen words, like that I should figure it out. And <laughs> it was my, my job to figure that out. So, and, uh, which I did. I went, I ended up going to the Gatorade Institute in, in uh, Illinois, uh, near Chicago. And it was uh, a life changer. You know, I, I ended up doing testing and, Stuff like that. They told me I would, you know, I'd lose probably, I was losing about three to four liters an hour, you know, of liquid when I played. So, uh, and the only way to replenish that, unfortunately, is not through water. You have to take something that's, you know, that, that you know, what you're losing, uh, uh, all the what's in a Gatorade, per se, like, I, I don't know all the words, whatever, but uh, carbohydrate and stuff like that. So you have to find a way to replenish all that as you uh, uh, as you go as you play right and uh, and uh, so they told me you got to drink more Gatorade so which that's what I did <laughs> and I ended up by the end of my career after that it it, it was a training I had to train my body to drink more drink uh, Gatorade all day and every day and you know on a game day I drink probably 20 bottles of Gatorade you know that uh, so it's a lot of calorie a lot of sugar but uh, instead of losing 12 pounds a game, I would end up losing two to three to four pounds a game. It made a huge difference in my life. 
Yeah. That's awesome. And glad that people were able to help you figure that out. But you had some other injuries that weren't as simple as drinking Gatorade. Uh, you tweaked your groin multiple times. And how frustrating is it when an injury has you sidelined, especially one without like a definite time type timetable to return to play? Uh, it's, uh, you know, the groin pull are frustrating. There's no doubt. Uh, as a goalie, uh, you use your groin for too many things. And, uh, uh, you know, earlier I told you in Toronto, things didn't go so well, but Truthfully, I felt really good on the ice. I was frustrating. I love playing there. Uh, you know, like I said, the energy was always good uh, in the building, except every two weeks after I'd come back from an injury, I just kept re-hurting myself, re-pulling my groin. So that was extremely frustrating. So I ended up having to do something and uh, ended up having a couple of surgeries uh, uh, in my groins and, you know, where the doctor went in, took out all the scar tissue that built up over the years and uh, actually gave me a lot more flexibility. And uh, so after that, I only, you know, in three years that I spent in Colorado, only ended up pulling my grain one time, which was good. But, uh, uh, you know, the dehydration is one thing, but it definitely did not help with injuries because when you're dehydrated, your muscle just, you know, are, are missing water and, and, and they just break easier. So uh, all that stuff is, you know, uh, something that I had to battle through, but, uh, you know, I'd much rather battle through that than a concussion. So at the end of the day, uh, I think I, I, I fared pretty well. Yeah, that's a great perspective and a great way to look at it. You had yeah. another pretty hard surgery uh, when you were in Anaheim, you underwent hip surgery. Was that different than the groins? Uh, yeah, it's all interconnected, truthfully. You know, the groins, the hips. Uh, in fact, the doctor that did my hip, uh, Dr. Philippon in, in Colorado, uh, in Vail, Colorado, he he worked closely with the guys that did my groin. So they, they were not partners, but they referred each other's patient and, and, and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, the hip, you know, uh, when I went to Europe, played, uh, uh, you know, I felt my hip was just really bad. You know, I just, I was always sore and I ended up having a bone spur in my hip. And, uh, and again, too, after my surgery, I, I was a lot more flexible, too. So, uh, you know, that doctor, Dr. Philippon, always told me and other guys that he's done that I know uh, that, you know, the, 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 probably the best thing you could do if you're, you're a goalie today is you go see him when you're 18, 19, 20. And, and he, he would make sure that by doing a surgery that you would probably would not hurt yourself for your whole career. Uh, you know, it's kind of scary. I, I wouldn't suggest that to do, but like he's, you know, you really truly believe that uh, all the, the, what you've built when you were young and all the damage that you've done, if you could fix that from the get-go, that things would be a lot better by the end. Yeah. We talked a bit about your personal adversities, but uh, your son, Maxim, was born with persistent fetal vasculature syndrome, a tiny deformed <laughs> eye, and underwent surgery at a very young age. What is it like being a parent and trying to help, but ultimately dealing with something out of your control? Uh, you know, it was super hard. You know, there was, uh, you're, you're blessed with innocence. You know, it's your first, first child. Everything go, is going pretty well. Uh, you know, life is good. Life is beautiful. And then, you know, he comes out and, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's wrong with his eye. It's, it's uh, you know, half the size of the other one. And uh, the scary part was, you know, when the doctor looked at him, uh, at the hospital, he, he wasn't sure if he was not, he could see from either eye. 
You know what I mean? So that was very scary to us. And, you know, it was a, almost a blessing to that that happened because, you know, it goes three, four days later, we have an appointment uh, at UCLA uh, hospital and to figure out if he can see from his eye and, and uh, from his good eye and he could. So that was a, a relief. We were like, wow, that's great then. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, how devastated we were that he, he couldn't, he had a smaller eye and that something seemed to be wrong. When we heard that he could maybe be blind altogether, we were ecstatic when we saw that he could see from one eye. So it just put everything into perspective. And, and uh, uh, you know, he's been a great, you know, a great kid. You know, it, it's like, you know, for him, there's no difference. You know, that's how he's always seen. Uh, he's, he's a goalie today at 13 years old, uh, plays at a very high level. So uh, all to show that, you know, he can do anything if you want to. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like, you know, having a positive perspective is something that's helped you through your whole career. You know, you could have been upset about certain things along the way and having this dehydration issue that other people don't have to go through. And, you know, but it sounds like that's something that's led you through the whole way and something that you've been able to pass on to your kids. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, I, I truly believe that life is full of, of uh, adversity, you know, and, and in my career, I had a bunch, you know, and uh, my last year in the AHL, I, I, I lost, you know, my last 17 games, you know, couldn't win a game. I was absolutely horrible. I didn't finish probably 10 of them, got pulled. And the, uh, probably five of, five of the other one that I finished, probably I should have been pulled with the coach. I probably felt sorry for me. So at the end of the day, you know, like uh, it would have been easy to quit then. And, I, you know, I, I just... I always persevered. I, I was, uh, you know, one of those guys that love to work hard and, and uh, love to learn, love to ask questions. And, you know, I think that that's what I'm trying to tell my kids. I don't know if it's going to work out, hopefully. But uh, so far, I, you know, my kids are showing that they're very perseverant. Yeah. It's always fun to see, you know, NHL players' kids growing up because they have such high expectations on them, you know? <laughs> no. Uh, honestly, like I don't have any expectation for my kids. I want them to become good men. You know, I think that's the goal. Uh, it, it it really drives me crazy when you know I see uh, minor hockey, and I've seen a lot of things right now lately. Uh, you know, since my kids are all in minor hockey, is that you know so many parents see their kids uh, in the NHL or playing NCAA or playing in the in the QMJHL, and like you just don't understand how hard it is. First of all, and second of all, you just don't know if that's your kid's dream. You know, you get them. It, it has to come from them. It has to be their passion. Uh, it's which you know, passion. If you ask me, the passion for the game is the number one ingredient to get anywhere. If you don't have it by 15, you're you're, you're just done because you're not going to want to be hit. You're not going to want to pay the price. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for you. Yeah, definitely a lot of hard times on on that path. But yeah, <laughs> some of the fun times. What was it like playing for your country and putting on a Team Canada jersey and winning a gold medal in the World Championship? Wow, you know, Scott Nunemeyer was there uh, when we won the gold medal. So uh, I knew if I go that year, we had a good chance to win. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, uh, you know, always such a good time. Uh, Team Canada, the whole organization is just so well run. Uh, they really, really take good care of their players. Uh, again, you know, the, the event is always in Europe. So that's always kind of, you know, put, for me, it's always an advantage. It's always a plus. You get to go see 
some new places you get to have fun while doing it some guys won't go because it's in europe and it's too far and they don't want to deal with it i i always like i never said no you know they asked me three times and i went all three times and uh it it, it was a blast every time and um you, you know it's uh i think when when you have a chance to represent your country uh you know you're hard pressed to say no i understand some guys are maybe they're tired and they're maybe some of them are injured they play a lot of minutes but you know when i went i was a young guy that uh, i just wanted to be part of the discussion if there was anything bigger happening yeah absolutely uh the next story might not be so fun there is a video of you <laughs> puking in the crease what happened there? yes was that a flu- <laughs> that was in germany <laughs> that was in germany when i played in the in, in germany in the lockout so uh you know <laughs> i was not quite in the best shape of my life <laughs> and uh as i was saying earlier you know you have to be open minded because you know some of the rinks that you play are not you know nhl standard they're not what you used to and uh, it was the old building old ring i believe they built a new one in berlin now but it was the old rink in berlin and it was just a sauna in there it was like uh, spring had come in it was like 22 degrees out there was windows on each side the sun was pouring in and i was just sweating my butt off and on top of it you know all they had was sparkling like sport drinks so you know i i was trying to rehydrate but it was all gassy and stuff it was the worst feeling and anyway they were coming down three on two against me and we're right in the playoffs so i'm like trying you know trying to get through it but i'm <laughs> i couldn't hold it anymore and it's the most I, i ever threw up in my life and i felt terrible because the goalie which i had taken his spot when i came in then he has to come in and replace me in the net and he has to play in my throw like my puke all over the ice oh they didn't clean it so, up well, no, not my finest day I felt bad. <laughs> they couldn't clean it up for him? Well, not really. You know, I mean, <laughs> they cleaned it up with the Zamboni, but he had like maybe six minutes left in the period. So, you know, you had to play him. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> you played with a lot of amazing players, Hall of Famers. Uh, I'm a Colorado kid, so I'm a little impartial to Joe Sackick, but uh, who is the best shooter or some of the best shooters you ever faced? Oh, it's a, it's a tough question because, uh, you know, uh, Jordan Chichu, I think, uh, was in San Jose. I think it was Jordan. I, I can't remember his first name, but anyway, now that he's the best shooter, he's just scored every time he shot against me. So, like, <laughs> you know, he must have had nine or 10 goals in one season against me. So he, he was a, he was a guy I had a hard time with. And, uh, you know, there's another guy, Daniel Briere. I don't know if you remember him. Again, not the hardest shot, but Danny B from the time we played against each other in the in in the queue to the NHL, he scored every goal, every game that we played. And thankfully, we never were in the same division or conference, so we haven't played against him that much. But he scored every single game that we played against, and, and it was a non-fail. So those are guys I had a hard time with. You know, obviously, you know, Ovechkin is a hard shot. Uh, uh, Weber was a rocket. Uh, there's a bunch of guys like that that uh, you know were hard to play against. Uh, you know, if you go back to Joe Sakic with the Fosberg, uh, Joe Sakic and Ed, Edge line, probably the hardest line to ever play. They spend the whole game in your zone. Every time they're on the ice, they're in your zone. They're just circling around your net, and it, it was always the hardest line to play against. Yeah, make it kind of boring for you back there behind them, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I didn't play with them, so I. Uh, 
It, well, it would it would have been boring to play with them because they were so good. But uh, tell you what, when you uh, when you played against them, you, you didn't have time to be bored. It was it was hell always, yeah. especially in Colorado where you, like the first period guys couldn't breathe. So it was like the whole not only their line, the whole period was in those days at the beginning of the 2000, the whole period they spent in your zone, the first period. And especially that line, it was insane. Yeah. And then you mentioned Ovechkin. Uh, do you think he'll be able to break the record? And what is it about that one-timer? The goalies can't see it. I don't know. He's, he's got that quick release, that whip, you know, on his stick, uh, that curve that's funny, like uh, it just goes right up. You know, it's hard to read. But uh, he's just a, a, score, a goal scorer. You know, you cannot teach a goal scorer. Like, you just get a D1. It's like Timu Silani. You know, he's always at the right spot. He, the Timu, the number of garbage goal that he scored. And the puck just would fall on his stick. And, oh, there we go. You know, I'd score another goal. But uh, uh, Ovi, I, you know, the pandemic didn't help. You know, I think, uh, he, he, you know, he missed probably, I don't know how many games. We'll have to see 40, 50 games. But that might be the, you know, the difference at the end. So I would hope so. I hope he gets close. I hope he gets, you know, second at the release and, and uh, that we, uh, w- you know, we can follow him. You know, he, he deserves it. You know, I think he's done a good job for the NHL. And, and it, it would be nice to see somebody get close to Wayne Gretzky because for so many years we've been saying, ah, it's impossible. It's impossible. But why not? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. It was awesome to hear about your story and learn more about your career. Thank you so much. Wow, you pleasure. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of Adversity University. You can follow more news about Adversity University on our social media pages. Our Instagram handle is Adversity underscore University. Our Twitter handle is Adversity underscore UNIV. And our Facebook page is Adversity University. If you know of any high-level athlete or professional that has an interesting story of overcoming adversity and you think they should share it, you can email us at adversityuniversitytalkshow at gmail.com. You can also use that email if you are interested in becoming a sponsor for Adversity University. We look forward to bringing our listeners more content from interesting guests weekly, so stay tuned on social media to see who could be next and what our past guests are up to now.